You're listening to Rosie on the House. And another beautiful Arizona Saturday morning. You know, even today doesn't apply, but even when it's dreary and it might be raining like it has been uh, at parts of January, it's still beautiful. Oh, uh, is there is ever the a case. bad day in Arizona? We got no well, tornadoes. It, we don't right. have damaging uh, earthquakes. Yeah. We don't have tsunamis or hurricanes. However, on. <laughs> on Monday and Tuesday, it was cold and windy, and I stayed inside. You know what? It was extremely windy. We did very little chores outside. Yep. I mean, we had planned to spend all day riding and out in the arena, and it, it just was not... Not, Not friendly. <laughs> but it is the 8 o'clock hour, so you are tuned in to Rosie on the House. It's our outdoor living hour for Saturday month. It's Farmer Greg. Uh, welcome back, as always. And thank you, thank you. I love coming on and chatting with you about our different, different things. What things are we going to chat about today? For us at the Urban Farm, January is all about deciduous fruit trees. Deciduous fruit trees are those that go dormant in the winter. Uh, and, you know, so apples, peaches, apricots, plums, pomegranates, figs. And all of mine have gone more dormant than they had the last few years. Yeah. I had some Anna apples that never really lost all their leaves. I had uh, my fig. It, well, yeah, it did, but it didn't. Didn't quite. My yeah. pomegranate. No, everything is everything, twigs. Yep, exactly. all, the, all that's in the tree is sticks right now. Well, you know, I'm not a fan of the cold, except when it comes to fruit trees and bugs. So for fruit trees, we need the chill hours. So for the deciduous fruit trees, we need the chill hours. Basically, that's any any temperature under somewhere between 45 and 39 degrees. And fruit, a lot of fruit trees require a certain amount of chill, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a little while. But the other great reason for the cold freezing weather is it gets rid of rats, it gets rid of uh, uh, bugs, you know, it Skeeters, really helps us manage those. Back to the chill hours. We found something randomly this fall where you, it's called the leafometer, and it'll tell you how red all the leaves in Flagstaff and Oak Creek and oh, Snowball fine. are. So if you wanted to go see the fall color, uh-huh. the leafometer is your, your gram. Is there something out there that's tracking chill hours so we can see where we're at so far this year? Yes. There's a website out there. I think it's called Get Chill. Get chill. And that would at least let you know what you can expect produce-wise because all of the deciduous trees are rated by chill hours. Yes. Now, I have some mm-hmm. that I know is way overplanted for the desert. Right. But I had the room. Somebody wanted to experiment, and they wanted a success story for the Maricopa County area. So I planted a couple pistachio trees. Ah. Now, I know it's only going to be about every 7, 8, 12 years we're going to have a cold enough, long enough chill hours that I'll ever get production. But uh, well, that, that'll be interesting because <laughs> pistachios are up in the seven, eight hundred hour range of and, chill. And these are supposed to be less than 500, they say, grafted. Oh, so all right. there was, and I think it was eight, it was either seven or eight. It would have, we had enough chill hours where I'm at that we would have gotten production. So we'll see. Oh, interesting. We'll see. Yeah. yeah. If nothing else, they're just a nice shade screen on the west side of the horse pens. There you go. <laughs> the The website is getchill.net. Getchill.net. Yes, go check out that website. So let's just define chill hours here because this is one of the caveats of growing fruit trees here in the valley. And last time you said something that was different than I had always remembered. I always thought it was anything under freezing, but you had said last time it was anything under 40? 
Is that where they so I've heard different things. Okay. 39 to 45 degrees under that is the amount of chill hours. We got on average of about 350 hours of chill here in the desert. Last year, we didn't get anywhere near that. And uh, most people got skunked on apricots. So we were pretty apricotless last year. Uh, so hopefully we're going to get apricots on our trees this year. Uh, but, you know, you really, we really need those chill hours uh, to, you know, to set the fruit and have a big harvest. That's part of it. You first have to have the chill. The second part that I'm horrible at is is thinning. Oh, yes. <laughs> Especially on peaches. And by peaches and apple, I have such a hard time thinning. But, yeah, if you want something that you can that's not uh, cherry tomato size, you got to right. thin. <laughs> you got to thin. Well, in the industry, they say uh, fruit every three inches, you know, thin it back to that. I had an interesting experience at the urban farm maybe 10 years ago on my mid-pride peach. A mid-pride ripens about the end of June. And so it started setting fruit in February, and we got a really late season freeze and it froze off most of the fruit but the 15 or 20 percent of the fruit that was left over was the biggest nicest juiciest peaches Mm -hmm. i'd ever eaten in my entire life they were bigger than baseballs and they were just absolutely incredible so that really you know points to people you really have to thin your trees Uh, and the actually the way i thin the trees is really simple because who has the time especially if you have multiple trees to go out and thin it down to every every three inches right so i actually just go out starting in january as soon as it starts budding out i'll shake the tree just go out and shake the tree and knock off whatever's not really attached and i'll do that a couple of times a month and that'll knock off you know a good 20 30 40 percent the other issue that we have with thinning especially with peaches if you haven't pruned appropriately the branches, the peaches grow at the very long end of the branches. The branches will get so heavy that they will actually break the tree. Now, if it breaks back, the new, will new growth come from that break point and then produce from there? Or does that ruin the whole tree? Yes. Yes. Could be either one. Okay. Depending. So I, uh, about, again, about 10 years ago, a friend of mine called me one day and she said, Greg, my mom's peach tree has broken in three places. And this was a, you know, it was more of a bush than it was a tree. So it was a shorter tree, which is what we encourage is bushes rather than trees. Because a peach at the top of a, you know, 15 foot tall peach tree is bird food for the most part. And so I went over or and a took a fall and a trip to the emergency room waiting to happen. <laughs> there you go. Uh, you know, so, um, I went out and looked at their peach tree, and there were there was one thigh size break. One of the branches broke that you know it was thigh size. It was huge. Uh, the other ones were the other two were like baseball bat size breaks. And once I got done pruning that tree back, there was pretty much just a stump left. Mm. So that's the other thing, thinning for that reason. But also you have to manage prune back and manage the size of the tree, and we do that when the tree's dormant. I haven't pruned any of my trees once, and I think this is the sixth year they've been in. Uh-huh. They're, I mean, they're beautiful and they're getting big. So, add that to yeah. Amanda's <laughs> note to, to do. self. No, no, note to Amanda. You gotta oh, get to learn how to do this. Right, there you right? go. <laughs> there you go. 
I hope she's not listening. <laughs> but they're they are my favorite tree for color. In mm-hmm. the springtime here, a couple months, just right out our master bathroom window, oh, you know, nice. we'll have a row of our three mm-hmm. peach trees, and it'll just be this this pink white coat. It's beautiful. Yeah. So my favorite thing to grow is a fruit tree. I have a whole fruit tree program where I start education in September, and people are able to, uh, you know, take free classes from me. In fact, if you email me, greg at urbanfarm.org, I have two pre-recorded classes. So you want to grow a fruit tree. And three ways to kill your fruit tree, which we're going to talk about here in a little while. Um, those are free online classes that you can take. So if you email me at greg at urbanfarm.org, I'll stick you link out to those so you can watch them online but my reason for growing fruit trees is because you plant it once and you can harvest it for decades Mm. and i'll tell you once you once you eat your own peach or apricot or plum or apple it's really hard to go back and buy something in the grocery store it's fun and it's fun growing your own fruit yeah you know the exception on buying stuff from the store stuff that we can't grow you know we don't get a lot of red apples down this low in the desert. You mm-hmm. can probably get some in the upper regions of our, you know, our Flagstaff listening areas. I'm sure that you can get into some redder apples, but you know those Macintosh and those, you know, ones that come down from Michigan. Mm-hmm. You're not going to grow any of those here, though. No, no. no. So that's those are the ones that we still have to get store bought. <laughs> for for multiple reasons, there's only two varieties of apples that I would plant here, and uh, that's the Anna and the Dorset Golden. Uh, Otherwise, you're just experimenting. And here's the thing. Experimenting with fruit trees is fine if you know you're experimenting with them. My entire fruit tree program is designed to deliver a product that if you do what I tell you, you're going to get fruit. And if you plant a Macintosh apple here, I can probably unequivocally say, is that the right word, that you're never going to get fruit on it. You know, it's high chill. It ripens at the wrong time. So, you're, you know, you're just setting yourself up for failure. And that's what I really like to share because you can go into most nurseries in this town and all the big box stores and they will sell you a fruit tree that will never make fruit. And that just frosts me. And I even... I, nice pun. <laughs> is that a play on words? Yeah, yeah, there you go. So Greg has chill hours? <laughs> I have the good chill hour trees. Hey. So that's that's one of the big things is, you know, chill hours. And we're going to talk about some more of them in a little while. Um, so, and then there's this whole notion of urban orcharding. And urban orcharding is different than, you know, the orchards that are down in Picacho Peak or... What Arcadia is all built underneath or Mesa and some of the... Right, exactly. Usually in our yards, we don't have room for heavy equipment and we just, you know, we have a small space. So we need to keep our trees small. So this whole urban orcharding thing is really all about keeping your trees six, eight, ten feet tall so you can actually harvest them from standing on the ground. Which is huge. And like you said, you can plant it once and it can produce for decades. By the time a lot of us have homes um, and have a time and schedule that we can plant and do a little bit of gardening, you know, we're kind of a little up there in years. So, you know, 20, 30 years later, you're you're not at the age you need to be climbing anyway. Like you said, and then it's all bird food and nothing wrong with feeding the birds, but... um, yeah, we still have to manage our water and our mm-hmm. resources and why and why make something so big that it doesn't need to be. Keep it small, keep it contained, keep it to where it's producing enough for you. 
And we're going to talk more about that after the break. It's Rosie on the House here with you every Saturday morning, fourth, fourth Saturday of the month. So we're joined with Farmer Greg here at Rosie on the House. Welcome back to Rosie on the House. We're with you every Saturday morning in the Urban Orchard Hour this hour. Every nice. every month you come in at some new element of urban farming and how yeah. all these things work together to produce our own food, our own microclimates, and our own sustainability for living in you know, a desert in the modern era. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I'm a big, 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 big proponent. If you can't eat it, don't plant it. So that is that part number one on your steps to success, or is that is that does that predate your three steps to uh, fruit tree success? That predates yeah, it. That predates that it. Predates Pick it. the yeah. right one. That <laughs> then once we've got the right one and it's planted, there three things we need to know about keeping and being successful with, with our fruit trees. Fruit trees. Yeah. So as I mentioned earlier, we can go into most nurseries and all big box stores, and they will sell you a fruit tree that will never make fruit here or food for that matter. Uh, a while back, I was at one of the big box stores, and over, I did a quick survey, and over 50% of the plants that they had for sale that they claimed, that's in quotes, claimed were edible. Now, is edible to people, edible to bugs, edible to rabbits, edible to birds, <laughs> <laughs> edible to who? <laughs> there you go. So over 50% of what they claimed were edible were not either climate-appropriate or season-appropriate for here in the valley, which means they would never make food. So you got a 50-50 chance in that case of buying a plant that would actually be successful. And we meant we mentioned earlier that experimenting with trees is fine just as long as you know you're experimenting. But it's costly to experiment with trees. You got the water, you got the fertilizer, you got the supplements, you got the time factor. Because you know, if you plant an apple tree, you want apples in three years, right? So you plant an experimental apple tree, and in three years you don't have apples, then you have to start all over again. And fruits a lot quicker than nuts, too. I mean, And you're... fruits are a lot quicker than nuts, absolutely. So, so I've actually developed over the years a uh, three, really three steps of what you need to know to successfully get fruit trees that will make fruit here. Number right. one, chill hours. Okay. Number two... Make sure that it's on the correct rootstock. So often what will happen with these big box stores is they'll call a, a grower and they'll say, you know what, we'll take 3,500 Santa Rosa plums on XYZ rootstock. Well, XYZ rootstock will do great in Seattle, but it'll die in Arizona. And it's not like it's the guy in Arizona making that call. It's corporate making that call. They take those 3500 and they distribute it to their Southwest uh, distribution branch, which is everything down from, you know, Arizona. I've seen regional. I mean, it depends on how the company breaks right. it up. But, but all it, the way it could be their the, West Coast. It could be everything exactly. west of the Mississippi. <laughs> exactly. So if you get the on the wrong rootstock, yeah, good mm. luck with that. And often I've found that the rootstocks aren't even listed. So when you go looking at a tree— there's a tag that talks about the fruiting stock, and there should be a tag that talks about the root stock. If there isn't a root stock tag on there that you can look up on your smartphone, I wouldn't buy it. I wouldn't buy it. So that's number one and number two, chill hours and root stock. And this is chill hours. Most people know about it, although you can go into most nurseries and they will sell you a high chill tree. 
which frosts me. <laughs> most most of them, you know, they might know about rootstocks, but they don't have a clue about what rootstocks do well here. And, and they'll just bring in whatever they bring in. The third thing, and really one of the more important things, is when the fruit ripens. So this is for, for deciduous fruit, the soft flesh fruit. So anything from berries to uh, peaches, apricots, plums, apples. They need to be ripe and off of the tree by about July 10th. Otherwise, the fruit just cooks on the tree. And I know this because over the past 30 years of growing fruit trees at the urban farm, I've planted out pretty much every tree that you can imagine that might grow here. And I know what grows here and what will produce here. And one of the key factors is when does the fruit ripen? Now, obviously, this doesn't happen for figs, pomegranates, or citrus because they ripen at different times of the year. But for all of the rest of them, make sure that you know that. And the cool thing is about my fruit tree program is all of the stuff that we bring in qualifies for all three of these uh, categories. They're low chill, they're on the correct rootstocks, and they all ripen before July 10th. So if you just know those three things, you're going to be able to pick a tree well. Ripen before June? July 10th. July. Yeah, okay. about July 10th. Otherwise, the stuff just cooks on the tree. I planted, I planted an August, I think it was an August pride peach, August, right? And, you know, it was in the ground for about four years. And all I got was golf ball size, golf ball hardness peaches that never ripened. Uh, that's where the pit should be. Your pit should be the size of a golf ball. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay. So those were the three things. Plant low chill hour or, or know the low chill hour. Yep. And plant accordingly. Get the correct root stock that'll do well in our desert southwest clays. And you, you had mentioned the big box stores and getting them from big growers. I will say the big growers, if you can find local nurseries that sell them, they do a really good job working with local nurseries better because those big growers, they know what they're doing. And they the, do have a lot. They do have the right root stock. They just may not be selling to the right people that are putting in the right place. Yes, and... We'll come back after the bottom of that news break with the and from Farmer Greg. Now that we left everyone on the edge of their seats for the last four and a half minutes to find out what the and from Farmer Greg is, uh, let's get to it. And if you're just joining us, we were talking uh, with Farmer Greg in this Outdoor Living Hour segment, Growers. And how they take a root stock and they graft it onto a fruit stock. Yep. And those root stocks all do well in different soil types. Mm -hmm. And the growers are good about making sure they put the right type of growing stock and the root stock together. But the people that buy them, especially when you're looking at national chains mm -hmm. that don't have things regionalized as they need to be. And, and Arizona is a perfect example. You would oh. think Arizona's one region. I mean, we've got everything. I was playing with that chillhour.net. Uh -huh. So the closest one to ours is to our home is registered out of Congress, Arizona. Oh, right. And they're expecting 405 chill hours. The start and end date on this is from November 1st to the end of February. February, yes. Well, Flagstaff, what, what do you think chill hours on Flagstaff? Any idea? Oh, my gosh. 800? 
1600. Oh my gosh. So you can grow all kinds of fun in Flagstaff. And then Tucson's at just almost 700 for the Tucson area. Oh, there you go. So a big box store sees Arizona and you would think, okay, this is one state, it's the desert, everything applies here. Well, I mean, Flagstaff's two and a half hours from my house on the freeway. <laughs> right. Just that short of range. So you know, if they don't have their distribution set up even that regionally within the state based on elevations, it's you know, you could end up with a tree in a local store that doesn't belong here. Uh, we do. I see it all the time. <laughs> so the and. The and that we've all been waiting for. That we've all been waiting for is that even local nurseries don't have the right rootstocks and they don't have the right chill hours. So you really have to educate yourself to. And again, this doesn't count for citrus. Citrus don't have a chill hour requirement. But the deciduous trees. If you're looking at a deciduous tree, there needs to be two tags on it. Well, if you're looking at a citrus tree, that needs to be two tags on it as well. One for the rootstock and one for the fruiting or scion wood, the one that makes the fruit. Do your research because most nurseries as well, are they, they are a little challenged by that. So just be, be, you know, this is a buyer beware thing. You know, I'll blow my own horn here, toot my own horn. All of the trees that we bring in, we usually bring in about 5,000 trees a year. All of them are climate appropriate and season appropriate. They will work here. And they come with a guarantee. I guarantee my trees. Yeah. And y'all are open today? Uh, We are until 3 o'clock. We're at 4549 North 7th Street. So this is the pop-up nursery, the annual thing. This is my annual pop-up nursery. We're open about 16 days a year. Not Barry's Hardware. This is is a different location. Correct. This is my location at... Uh, Meadowbrook and Seventh Street Highland, just south of, just south of Highland on Seventh Street, and there'll be there's signs up, and you know we have great fun over there. If you know, if you just want to come down and check it out, uh, it's epic. We have three thousand square feet of yard space, and it's you know there's it's full. Yeah, I bet you there's. 3, and look 000. for the cars just down the side street. There I've never been there where there hasn't been yeah. uh, people picking up because a lot of them are pre-ordered too. You said you brought yeah. in. 5,000, a lot of those are already pre-sold. You right. used to take people signing up all year. And I know that's something a nursery, not to say anything bad against them, mm-hmm. because we can plant all year long and be successful in a lot of cases. But um, Well, you make, you make a perfect point here. I'm going <laughs> to jump in because I think I know where you're going. Uh, my fruit tree program, this is my 20th year doing it. Best time to plant your deciduous trees is in January, and the best time to plant your citrus trees is in March. And those are the only times of the year that I would plant trees. So plan accordingly. Take classes. I, you know, I offer all kinds of online and in-person classes. I really am committed to you being successful at growing your own fruit. And, and again, we're not trying to say anything bad about local nurseries. We'll move on because we have so many more topics to mm-hmm. say here. We're just saying right. you be sure. Buyer beware. Yeah. You go educated so you don't end up getting talked into something that doesn't do what you're wanting, wanting it, it to, to do. do. The point is, in three years, you want a desert gold peach that when you bite in, it explodes across the front of your shirt. And can you get there from a five-gallon plant in three years, or do I have to invest mm-hmm. in a 10 or a 15 or a 24 Well, that's a, you know, that's a really good point. Um, what's a five-gallon? What's a 15-gallon? What's a 24-inch box? Because that's a slippery slope as well. And what I've found over the years is that you really shouldn't be buying trees by gallons. You should be buying them by trunk diameter. What's the diameter of the trunk at the base? 
And a five-gallon tree generally is a quarter inch to five-eighths, maybe almost three-quarters of an inch. Probably more like five-eighths of an inch diameter. So, you know, that's... um, Oh my gosh, I don't even know how to compare that, but <laughs> that's the diameter. Quarter. And then, yeah, 15 gallons are like three quarters of an inch to an inch and a half in diameter. We've got some trees on the lot today that are an inch and a quarter in diameter at the base, which is huge for a 15 gallon tree. Ours are all bare root right now. Uh, but then if you're talking citrus, a 24 inch box citrus, it should be two and a half to five inches in diameter on the trunk that's you know like that's at least the size of the fat end of a baseball bat so again buyer beware you know educate yourself and you know know this all right so now we're still missing one more element you hit it earlier for apples mm-hmm. the golden door set and the and Anna. apple so the we know, only two apples that I would... We know to look for the rootstocks. We know to look for the right planting size. Inside of the variety and the chillers, inside each variety of all these, I mean, we've got listed here, apples, apricots, peaches, plums, berries, grapes, all things that you've successfully grown here yeah. and sell at the pop-up nursery. Which varieties? There's endless varieties. Oh, my God. Here's a story for you. I was in a big box <laughs> store about three years ago, and they had a, a peach tree for sale, and the tag said peach that's all there are literally (laughs) hundreds maybe even thousands of different varieties of peaches that you can buy and there's about 10 varieties that will grow well here so on the peaches uh, desert gold mid pride tropic snow may pride eva's pride those are some of the varieties that uh, florida prince those are varieties that will actually do quite well here and again, they all need to be ripened off the tree by, you know, July 10th. Um, apricots, two varieties only. And, and with the apricots, it's more about chill hours. There's the uh, Katie and the Gold Kissed apricots. And plums, there's about a half a dozen plums that do well here. Santa Rosa, Methley, Beauty Plums, they're all, they're all good for here. Uh, and in the berries and grapes categories... Again, low chill, and there's a lot of different berries that grow here, including mulberries. There's a couple of different mulberries I'll talk about here in a minute, but again, they need to be off the off the plant by about July 10th. I, I say that so much because <laughs> you know you can go in and maybe find a Fuji apple, and a Fuji apple might do really well here. It's low chill on the right rootstock. But it ripens in the fall. <laughs> so, and then there's some no way plants on my list. And I'll just hit you with them real quick. There's multiple reasons why, uh, but cherries are no goes. And, and real quick, before you get to that list, just for the listening audience, coming up in May, this is called Appointment Radio. Uh, the fourth Saturday in May is the 25th. You can tune in on the 25th, and we will be talking about how to preserve the harvest because oh, peaches yes. hit so quick. You've got to be able to, uh, yeah, to to either be prepared to distribute them to neighbors, to food banks, to bring them to your church, uh, your kids' cut school, them in half and freeze them, cut them in half and freeze them, can them, juice them. So that's coming up in May. Yeah, You've well, got time to plant now. Uh, 
You won't get fruit. You, you won't yeah, get yeah. fruit this year. It takes about three years to get fruit. But if this is your first year, you can at least hear and start planning for it because there's mm-hmm. a lot of different things you can buy. Uh, we've traded equipment. Uh, I borrowed your dehydrator last yep. time. You borrowed our squeezer, slicer, presser. Yeah. Um, I really want to get a juicer. Uh, I've seen those. Uh, oh, I, you know what? You I want on one of those in, industrial <laughs> citrus juicers where you put the fruit by the case in the top and it cuts them half and juices them for us yeah i want one of those <laughs> i have my the one i saw goes on top of your stove <laughs> oh well there you go <laughs> there so you go. it'll give you time though to start planning these things mm-hmm. you know what how does your family like these fruits and uh how what is the best way to preserve it what yeah. are you using a lot of and so by the time if you plant now and three years from now you've got time to invest in all these mm-hmm. things because there's so many uh, things in life. It's it's the infrastructure and the startup that costs so much. Once you have the right tools in place, it gets pretty easy gets, after yeah, that. But exactly. man, just getting started can be hard. Yeah, it doesn't have to be. Pay attention to what we're talking about over here. We got <laughs> we got all kinds of cool things coming up around all that. But I just mean like starting out first time in your home. Mm-hmm. You know, it could oh, be somebody yeah. that's planting in a brand new yard and they've you know, a young family, maybe you don't even have kids yet. You know, I mean, just to work that into your budget with everything else that our, that life brings us, the startup for all things in life, I guess is what I'm oh, saying. Yeah. <laughs> is yeah, uh, exactly. if, if you're not from a, a heirloom wealth family or, you know, independently wealthy. <laughs> well, there you go. So. So let's talk about trees not to grow here. Not to grow. Yeah. Um, on these three that I'm about ready to say... If you see them in a nursery, turn away and run. <laughs> and they are cherries, nectarines, and pears. These are there are there are no varieties of any of these that will thrive here. Now, can you experiment with them? If again, as I said earlier about experimenting, experiment away. Know that it's costly, but I just it, they're no goes. Okay. So just walk away from them. Nuts is another one that I kind of shy away from because how many days a year can you go into a grocery store and get a really good organic nut? Pretty much every day, right? Almonds, pecans, so on and so on. How many days a year can you go into a grocery store and get a really good peach? (laughs) Grow the peaches. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Good, good strategy on that. And yeah. that's probably just you know nuts last a long time. You that can they do pick them off the tree and they go forever. And we've I got know, look some at me. good I'm growers. A nut and I'm fifty-seven <laughs> years old. <laughs> so good. And you know another point to that is they, uh, you need a lot of water for nuts. They are mm. not a low mm-hmm. water consuming yeah. tree. And I don't know the exact uh, number for pistachios, but for pecans, they use an equation: ten gallons per day. Per years wow. of its life, so a ten-year-old pecan tree, when you water it, you know you've got to water it a hundred gallons a day. If you only water it one day a week, you got to put seven hundred gallons. Wow, <laughs> it's that's they're, crazy. They're they're water and hogs, with, and and with the uh, upcoming pending drought, that could be interesting. Yeah, so that's a great point. Foc- focus on the. Fruits and not the not, not so much the nuts. We've got one more segment here with Farmer Greg at Rosie on the House right after this.
All right, Farmer Greg, we, we talked about identifying how to buy a fruit tree. We talked about uh, successful factors in growing. We talked about the different varieties that do well here. Mm-hmm. You've got three ways to kill your fruit tree. <laughs> <laughs> so we've gone from best practices that we need to focus on to basically a, a worst practice to avoid. Yes, exactly. And I give a class here in town, three ways to kill your fruit trees. And there's about 15 ways to kill your fruit trees. But it really all boils down to three things. And that is planting in a hot microclimate. So a lot of block walls, a lot of concrete, a lot of gravel. Planting in a grassy area and watering wrong. And I have seen hundreds of fruit trees Pictures. People send me pictures. So I've seen hundreds of fruit trees that people say, oh, my God, what did I do wrong? Well, And it's one of those. Now, I get the hot fences, masonry walls, gravel. Mm-hmm. I mean, that stuff just radiates heat. Mm-hmm. The lawn one surprises me, though. What's the, with the lawn? Mostly it's Bermuda grass and nutgrass. And the Bermuda and nutgrass can outcompete your trees. That's reason number one. So you have to set in play. And I have solutions for all this. But you have to set in play a system so that your tree gets established before the Bermuda grass takes over. Okay. So that's number one. And number two just slipped my mind. So we'll get back to that here in a minute. (laughs) Oh, it's the watering. Yes. It's the watering. You're watering your lawn three times a week. That's overwatering a tree. So the solution... Really, for both of these, whether you're in a really hot microclimate or whether you're in a lawn, is put a basin around your tree. And I call it my six-six rule: six-foot diameter basin, six inches of woody mulch, at minimum, around the tree. So if you're in a lawn, you put a six-foot basin around the tree with six inches of woody mulch. And I have videos on my website and YouTube channel on how to do this. Basically, what you're doing is you're putting a nice six-inch base of this woody mulch around the tree and it protects the tree from the constant watering of the lawn. So then your job once a month in the winter and twice a month in the summer is to deep water that tree. So when the sprinklers come on for 20 minutes, it wets the top one inch of the woody mulch and it doesn't get down to the roots. Okay. And when you talk about deep watering, it'll also work as an insulator to keep that water from evaporating too quick. Exactly. And the other thing that it does around the tree is it keeps the Bermuda grass back so that you're using the weed whacker at the edge of the basin and not near the tree because that's one of the ways that people kill their trees is they weed whack it to death. So and the basin the basin works great also in a hot microclimate. And if you're in a really hot microclimate, you need to go eight feet diameter basin, six inches of woody mulch. And I actually discovered what I'm calling my silver bullet of growing fruit trees in the desert. Now, I planted my first fruit tree in 1974 here at the Weldon House near 28th Street and Indian School. So I've been growing fruit trees for over 40 years here in the desert. Wow, time flies. I just got a, I just and, got and a you, notice. You from, might just want to, like, put off counting, you know. Yeah, there you go. I just got time. a notice the other day in, the, in my email inbox for my 40-year high school reunion. It's like, whoa, oh. where'd the time go? <laughs> so the silver bullet of growing fruit trees in the desert. Okay. Plant some kind of ground cover around the base of the tree that gets the same water as the fruit tree, and that'll shade the ground. On August 15th in my front yard at the Urban Farm, it was 140 degrees at ground level. It was 120 degrees six inches down. Underneath the sweet potatoes growing in my front yard, it was 89 degrees. 
That was my question. So what ground cover requires the same amount as, as water? And I'm sure you're eating your sweet potatoes. Yep, exactly. Sweet potatoes. And one thing that I give out at the nursery for free is uh, cow pea seeds. Cow, the gro- cow pea. Seeds. C-O-W-P-E-A seeds. They grow like a little bean. It's a nitrogen fixer. They're not really edible. I mean, I suppose you could eat them, but they're not really edible. They, they're fixing nitrogen, pulling nitrogen out of the soil and out of the air. And making it bioavailable when it breaks down in the compost pile. They love the heat. They grow in the summer. And we give them away free at the nursery when you pick up your trees. Cool. Because they grow wild. I, I, I harvest maybe three or four pounds of them every year. And they're, they're, you know, they're about the size of a pea. And I just harvest them and hold them over until the fruit tree season starts. Then I put them in little packets. And you only need one seed per basin because a cow pea can fill up your six-foot diameter basin. And they thrive during the hottest time of the year. Hmm. Very cool. Yeah. Cow pea seeds. I'm going to have to come by. Now, do I have to plant them like a regular seed or can I put them? Well, I guess if you only one per basin, putting yeah. them in a – I was thinking about putting them – I do so much in my – orchard with a spreader just because of the size of it mm-hmm. to do it all individually and i know i waste a lot of fertilizer but i've planted them close enough that ultimately the roots are going to be close enough that there won't be any waste they're there young you enough right now but i just have to i deal with it because to do it individually would take forever yeah Cool. So my fruit tree program, you can find more about it at urbanfarm.org on the front page of the website. With every tree that you buy, you get a a membership site uh, membership. And we have, I have videos, I have my pre-recorded classes there, documents on how to plant, how to water, how to fertilize. Listen, I've been doing this for over 30 years here in the Valley. I know what works and I'm passionate about sharing it. That's urbanfarm.org. Mm-hmm. And we're open at 4549 North 7th Street until 3 o'clock today. All these different types of fruit trees we talked about, you can come down and get them and your cow pea seeds. There you go. <laughs> All right. We'll look forward to seeing you back here March 23rd talking about regenerative, regenerative gardening. Yeah, there you go. And, and- I got all... All month to work on saying that properly, too. <laughs> there you go. Well, and then there's February. We're talking about citrus in February. Oh, my gosh. You missed a month, Next buddy. month is only February. I did miss <laughs> a month, yes. So citrus next month, and that'll be on, uh, interestingly enough, the 23rd. Uh, and then the 23rd of March is regenerative gardening. Perfect. I got two months to practice that. <laughs> Yay. Thank you for having me. Urbanfarm.org. Thank you, Farmer Greg. <laughs>